The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. At some point we're going to open up our country and it's going to be fairly soon. Weeks or months? Uh, I'm not looking looking at months, I can tell you right now. President Trump promises the U.S. economy will reopen for business soon, saying the cure cannot be worse than the problem. But his stimulus bill remains stuck in Congress as senators fail to agree a second time. Asian stock markets surge despite another volatile day on Wall Street as the Fed promises to buy an unlimited amount of government bonds. We will beat the coronavirus and we will beat it together. And therefore, I urge you, at this moment of national emergency, to stay at home, protect our NHS and save lives. Well, as you're hearing from the Prime Minister, Great Britain going into lockdown as Boris Johnson is forced to take the most dramatic measures in peacetime history, banning people from leaving their homes for all but the most essential needs. Spanish emergency workers lining the streets, wearing masks to rally the nation to continue the fight against the virus outbreak as the death toll soars past 2,000 people in Spain. Two of Europe's biggest corporates cut their guidance, citing the coronavirus crisis. German's steel conglomerate ThyssenKrupp scraps its profit outlook, while Spanish lender Santander adjusts its dividend policy. Uh, What is that old phrase? Never let a good crisis go to waste. And if there's an opportunity to assert your own political view and lock up congressional progress, why not do that as well? The U.S. Senate has failed to pass a coronavirus relief package worth around $2 trillion for the second day in a row. Democrats in the upper chamber blocked the legislation calling for tighter rules over how big business use the funds and stronger protection for workers. Republicans have accused the Democrats of pushing for a, quote, wish list of progressive policies and risking harm to the U.S. economy as the virus outbreak spreads. Well, let's talk a little bit about how U.S. markets reacted to that. Obviously, if we have a look at the major indices here, you can see that markets are not catching a bid or a break at this point as the uh, investment community continues to look to the politicians for leadership and guidance at this point. Let's drill down within some of the sectors and just show you how they've performed throughout the last 24 hours. And inevitably, when this stimulus bill is about stabilizing the credit markets, you're going to see some reaction in the banking sector. And of course, if we just walk you through this, you can see how weak the sector was as a whole. Um, Goldman Sachs, I think one of the better performing banks here, but those that are very much focused on servicing Main Street, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, all taking it on the chin. Uh, In terms of how we're set up for the US futures then, you might have thought that we'd get a little bit of support as a result of the uh, uh, announcement from the Federal Reserve about the 
purchasing of corporate paper. And indeed, that's what's coming through at this point, because we did see immediately after the announcement a tightening of spreads between perceived security in the 10-year Treasury and, of course, uh, corporate paper. And the indication is that we are going to get a bounce at the start of the trading session here of about 600 points or so for the uh, Dow Jones. But of course, we've got a, a lot of water to cover before we actually get to the start of the trading session in the United States. So we will keep tabs on these and we will let you know how the risk mood is adjusting as we get closer to the start of the US trading session. Let's talk a little bit about this political gridlock then. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says both sides are close to a deal, but expressed his frustration over the demand from the Democrats. I'll tell you what will really lower our carbon footprint, Mr. President. If the entire economy continues to crumble, with hundreds of thousands more Americans laid off because Senate Democrats won't let us act, that'll lower our carbon footprint, all right? Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer remained optimistic that an agreement can be reached soon. We're hopeful, even confident, that we will meet that goal. We've been working on a few outstanding issues that are no surprise to everyone. From the very beginning, Democrats have insisted on a Marshall Plan for our medical system. More money for hospitals, community health centers, nursing homes, and urgent medical supplies like gloves and masks, ICU beds, testing kits, ventilators, and PPEP. Meanwhile, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has unveiled her own version of the stimulus bill. The proposal would include an emergency boost in funds to agencies and bigger cash payments to Americans. President Trump has raised the possibility of easing the U.S. lockdown, quote, fairly soon. The U.S. leader said the country could fight the pandemic and slowly reopen at the same time. The president also suggested restrictions could be lifted in a few weeks rather than months. Can't keep it closed for the next, uh, you know, for years. OK, this is going away. We're we're going to win the battle, but we also have uh, you know, you have tremendous responsibility. We have jobs. We have uh, people get tremendous anxiety and depression. And uh, you have suicides over things like this. When you have terrible economies, you have death uh, probably in, I mean, definitely would be in far greater numbers than the numbers that we're talking about with regard to the virus. So we have an obligation. We have a double obligation. President Trump there. Well, this is reminiscent of 2008. Remember all the stimulus measures by the same central banks? It was a wave of different interventions. The latest, the Federal Reserve has unleashed the big bazooka again, launching an unlimited asset purchase program to mitigate the coronavirus impact. Now, the U.S. central bank said it would buy as many treasuries as required while announcing a raft of additional measures. It took the unprecedented step of adding corporate bonds and corporate bond ETFs to its QE program. Other measures include a lending program for Main Street businesses, while the financial crisis era term asset-backed loan facility will be revived. It was enough for the Asian markets. Take a look at the green across on the charts for Japan. This bounce of more than 7%, a fairly strong move. We've not seen that uh, size bounce for, for quite a while for Japanese stocks. What you've had uh, in terms of uh, the percentage gains, the biggest daily rise for the Nikkei since late 2016, also staring down the face of some very weak survey data today. The services sector shrinking at the fastest pace on record in March. In fact, 
attractivity, the quickest pace in about a decade. So despite some of the, the weakness in front of them on survey data, the market responded to these measures from the Fed across the board. 3.5 on the Hong Kong market. The Cosby is up 6.8%. More cautious on the Shanghai Composite and the Chinese market. Again, looking at the reinfections occurring from overseas visitors, uh, people returning from other countries. That's having another impact on some of the psychology in, in China that uh, thought it might have been through the worst of some of the issues. Take a look at Treasuries and you see a fairly significant reaction at this short end, in particular on Treasury markets to the Fed. We've dropped to uh, the lowest levels we've seen on uh, Treasury since 2013. The yield 0.31 is what we're watching on the 10-year also dropping back. Actually got to 0.79. Morning session 0.81 is what we're now looking at. The uh, oil trade. It's been a weak one, that oil destruction, demand destruction that we've seen out there in the economies as we've seen just lockages across the board, lockdowns, I should say, and businesses shut down. That's had an impact on what you're seeing. Brent, 28th this morning, trying to bounce off some of these lows. 3.6% is a decent size move, almost 4% on WTI. When it comes to gold, the moves from the Fed too, to open up the taps again has meant gold prices have jumped another half of a percent, 15.61 on the trade. The opening calls here in Europe, but yesterday we did see a fall. We were down by about 4.3% across on the benchmark index in Europe. In terms of individual markets, it was the DAX that fell the least. It was only down just over 2%. But this morning we're looking to claw back some of those losses. Triple-digit point gains are across the board anticipated. 150 on the UK. And don't forget, we've seen extraordinary changes too in the UK, where we are now seeing much stronger lockdown measures the German market, 254 to the upside as we talk about stimulus packages, 111 on the French market. And you can see Italy chasing 451 to the upside. That market was down only about 1% yesterday. You saw steeper falls elsewhere. Jeff. Karen, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Bill Smead is with us, the CIO of Smead Capital Management. Uh, Steve is out and about in London. He's at New Scotland Yard. We'll tell you a little bit more about what Steve's doing now, uh, down there in, in just a moment as we discuss the UK lockdown. But Bill, let's come to you first here. Uh, everywhere we look, we see dead cat bounces and no gains that are hung on to at this point for equity markets. What advice are you giving your clients? Well, uh, you know, we, we pick stocks for a living and our clients are uh, financial advisors and registered investment advisors and people that uh, pick managers and they want perspective. And as I was hearing you uh, read the news and share this, I, I was thinking about uh, when in World War II, uh, what happened was the United States stock market hit bottom uh, in the spring of 1942. We had resisted entering the war and left our good friends, you you folks, uh, high and dry other than Lend-Lease. And the Battle of Midway uh, w- w- marked the bottom. Now, did that mean we were going to beat the, the, the Germans and the Japanese in that war? No. Was that the bottom of the stock market? Yes. Everyone has this impression that the stock market is going to bottom when we get to the end of the bad news. And that that is not a historically accurate thing. Uh, you get to the bottom when everyone who wants to panic gets done panicking and prices uh, get extremely attractive. The, um, the challenge at this point, as you will know, though, is it, it may take some time for the market to recover and it may may take some time 
for us to appreciate that a bottom has been achieved. So in the interim, you've got a lot of frightened investors who are sitting on losses of anything up to 20 to 30 percent at this point, wondering if they should crystallize those losses and walk away because they're not sure they'll get another opportunity to uh, see these markets bounce and to sell. Yeah, the, the, your, your point's well taken, but the thing you have to understand is the medicine always exacerbates the decline. In 1981, Paul Volcker tightened credit and took treasury bills to 18%, and people got blistered. 13% long-term treasuries became 15%, and a, a Dow at 1,000 became a Dow at 800. In, in uh, uh, the 07 to 09 financial crisis, we recapitalized the banking system, and for four months, the stock market kept going down after we applied the medicine. By the way, a brilliant piece of, of uh, a, a brilliant solution, the United States government ended up profiting by multi-billions of dollars uh, by, by doing that. And so, so what, what, you, what you have to get to here is, is the recognition that you're investing for three or five or 10 years, and you have to try to make the most money the next five to 10 years, which could very possibly include being another 10 or 20 percent lower than we are right now. And, and that's what happened in 08, 09. Yeah. Uh, Bill, yeah, just look, uh, I'm down here on the streets of London and it seems very clear that we have two crises. And I think the president is very aware of them both. Um, stateside, of course, as we are in Europe as well. First crisis, the pandemic as well. And of course, the president trying to avoid huge long-term damage to the economy. So here's my question. Is it possible that one can beat the first crisis? Let's hope in the next few months or so. Uh, but actually, the market can rally while the second crisis, i.e. the economic crisis, is still unravelling. Well, I, I think the biggest crisis we all have is we are all completely drowned in too much information. That that if there, there's lots of things that will come out of these crises. Uh, one of them, uh, first of all, the positive ones are people might end up caring a lot more about things in the future than they have in the past. You know, there's 90 million millennials in the United States who are just getting their life started. They want cheap money, low gasoline prices, and they just found out that they don't have to be in the office so they can go buy a house anywhere they want in the United States of America, half the price of the expensive coastal cities. I would not want to be long ownership of office buildings in expensive coastal cities in the United States. We're learning some of those kind of things. And, and, and that might be a good thing. That might be the positive that comes out of this. What if the United States population just spreads itself all across the country. What if it's not a great idea to live in a 300 unit apartment together with a whole bunch of other people with common areas? So, so I think I think we're all kind of lost in this a bit. Uh, in in that, uh, in, in some ways, your mind and your spirit are a little better off when you don't know everything there is to know about the coronavirus. We don't know everything there is to know about the flu, and it's going to kill more people this year than the coronavirus. 
Bill, I take your point. There are a lot of unknowns around the coronavirus, but there are some knowns now around the Fed and its latest package of initiatives, buying corporate bonds directly or through ETFs. This is different. Also, mini bonds. What are the links to the stock market? Because what we've heard so far, some of the share buybacks, dividends of bad companies, there's pressure to suspend some of those payments, some of those cash handouts to shareholders. If you've got the bond market being supported with the Fed as well, surely there's going to be pressure at some point on individual corporate names when they are revealed. So what does it mean about being clear about which corporates you're involved in in any rally and which ones you're not? Well, first off, we we are common stocks only. We're just stock pickers. Uh, the, the Fed, the lender of last resort, their responsibility in this situation is to provide liquidity. And by the way, here's something no one's talking about. We, we are literally flood, flooded with liquidity already. The $4 trillion of liquidity created to get out of the financial crisis has never been pulled off. And then on top of that, now we're doing a, a whole nother massive set of liquidity. Uh, it's our opinion that the, the biggest grief of the next five to 10 years in the common stock market in the United States, it, 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 and, and you're, you, you folks have already made this point, it won't just come roaring back all at once. It'll take years to come back uh, from this, number one. And, and, and number two, it's highly likely that the, the, the companies and businesses that are the most popular the next five to 10 years will be different from the ones that were popular the last five or 10. Let me give you one example. Back in one of the wars with Iraq in the United States, the company Raytheon had a, had a missile system that could shoot down Scud missiles. So I had people calling me going, hey, Bill, should I buy Raytheon? Well, buying Raytheon then was like buying Costco and Amazon right now or Netflix. Oh, gee, they're benefiting from this misery. That's really good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some of that. That's real courageous. No. It, 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 well, yes, it's correct. It's courageous to buy something right now, but who's going to make the best return the next five to 10 years? Somebody buying a stock that's down 75% that doesn't deserve to be down 75% or somebody buying a stock down 10% just because they're benefiting from people's misery right now. All right, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed for your thoughts and very good to get the historical perspective as well. Thank you very much indeed for that, Bill. Okay, we're going to take a short break here on Squawkbox, but coming up on the show, Downing Street imposing the most widespread cuts on public life since the outbreak of the coronavirus. We'll discuss after this short break. You must stay at home because the critical thing we must do to stop the disease spreading between households If you enjoy Squawk Box Europe, check out the Brave Ones podcast. The series explores the rise of some of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. Through exclusive interviews with family, friends and colleagues, the Brave Ones podcast features stories of determination, resilience and ingenuity. Available on Apple Podcast, Spotify and Google Play. The Brave Ones podcast presented by Credit Suisse.
UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has now ordered the British public to stay at home, imposing a lockdown to combat the spread of coronavirus to date. Johnson instructed all non-essential shops closed and banned gatherings of more than two people. UK residents will only be allowed to leave their homes for the necessary shopping, limited exercise and medical care. Well, let's get back out to Steve. He joins us now from New Scotland Yard. Steve, I hope you're getting your exercise. This may be the last outing for the day for you. Oh, well, I think professionally you and I are allowed out, Karen. We are, we're, we're labelled as key workers for the public service broadcasting that we're doing. So uh, we should be all right. I'll go for a little stroll anyway with the cameraman later on. But yeah, look, we're in New Scotland Yard, uh, which everyone knows is synonymous with the UK police. It's the headquarters of the Metropolitan Police. And what we're doing, history lessons founded, of course, by Sir Robert Peel, uh, the uh, Victorian Prime Minister in the, uh, the mid-19th century. So look, here we are, New Scotland Yard. Uh, these uh, brilliant women and men of the Metropolitan Police, they're the ones who are going to have to enforce these new rules. Uh, why don't we listen to the Prime Minister, then I'll talk you through a little bit more what the new rules are. No Prime Minister wants to enact measures like this. I know the damage that this disruption is doing and will do to people's lives, to their businesses and to their jobs. And that's why we've produced a huge and unprecedented programme of support, both for workers and for business. And I can assure you, that we will keep these restrictions under constant review. We will look again in three weeks and relax them if the evidence shows we are able to. So Boris Johnson talking as the UK death toll went up to 335, 54 more deaths in the UK yesterday. Total confirmed cases, 6,650. Of course, people think it's a lot more than that as well. So let's go through the detail a bit more, Karen. Shopping, you can only go out for basic necessities. Pretty much that's food and me medicine and do it as infrequently as possible. Uh, one form of exercise per day, as you mentioned, Karen, uh, alone or with people you live with. Uh, you can buy uh, and go out for medical needs. If you're a carer, if you're helping the vulnerable to travel to and from work that is absolutely necessary and can't be done from home. You've got to minimise your time outside. Keep two metres away. That's six foot uh, from your cameraman and others as well. No weddings, no baptisms, no uh, religious ceremonies. You can, unfortunately and ominously, uh, still have funerals as well. Businesses that can remain open, and this doesn't include you, Mike Ashley. I don't know why you think it does. Uh, food outlets, pharmacies, petrol stations, garages, cycle shops, interesting one, home and hardware, pet shops, banks. Uh, what will we show? includes the likes of libraries, gyms, playgrounds and places of worship. The police will have the ability to enforce this with fines from Thursday, I'm told, of up to £1,000 from £30. They can disperse gatherings and indeed enact those fines. And initially, those um, measures will last uh, for three weeks from yesterday, the 23rd of March, and then will be reviewed. Other things going on at the moment will, of course, Parliament. I'll show you Parliament. We'll do one of our little walk and talk, shall we? Uh, that is uh, Westminster, just up there from New Scotland Yard as well. Um, there is Big Ben. Queen Elizabeth Tower, actually. Big Ben's the actual clock, isn't it, as well? Emergency legislation is now in the Lords uh, and basically shutting airports potentially if necessary giving the police more powers and that would be renewed potentially every six months as well the police are going to have their work cut out no doubt about it uh, the police federation talking about the huge challenges especially seeing as so many of their officers are reporting sick at the moment i am not paid by the london tourist board in fact there are no tourists in london but let me just show you how a empty it is and b some of the amazing sights of london
London. So here you've got um, the, the bridge, Westminster Bridge as well, uh, the famous South Bank, the old City Hall, which is now home to the London Aquarium. That's where the Mayor Ken Livingstone in his pomp and ceremony used to hold court. Look at the London Eye with the light behind it. The cameraman hates that shot because he's got light coming into the camera, of course, but he can just about cope, I think, today. Uh, and then we can see the Festival Hall down there as well and the National Theatre. And this, of course, all shut at the moment. That was in previous legislation. In fact, if I see you lot down there, I can probably give you a little wave down in the city of London as well. So let's um, just leave it at that point as well to say that London is quieter, no doubt about it. Draconian rules coming in. We just hope uh, some of the buffoons who have been still having parties, and there are people still doing gatherings, will finally get the message. Back to you. I totally agree, Stephen. Even yesterday I was out and about on the tube. It, of course, I reduced service, so more people waiting around. But there were so many people hopping onto the one tube. It was absolutely packed. And I questioned at 10.30 in the morning, could they have all been key workers? Yeah. Uh, this was well, the... that's a tricky one. No, Sorry, Jeff, carry on. No, no, I was just going to say, I mean, it was just this. Uh, you, you can imagine the thought process that went into this. Oh, no, we need to reduce the number of trains. But then immediately you, immediately you do that, you cram more people into the trains that are running. So you end up with that problem of crowding because there are still a lot of key workers required to keep London running, it seems. Steve. Yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one because Sazeek Khan, the London mayor, has weighed in on this one, I'm told, as well, saying, are the list of key work, is there too many, of course? Are, are people working construction still? Should that still be going ahead? Uh, maybe there is even a question about journalists, although I think that for the moment we are still allowed to do our job as the fourth estate as well. And you can understand why they don't want so many drivers out, so many staff in the ticket halls, so many staff on and around the platforms as well for their own public safety as well. And as we showed you, uh, from Trafalgar Square already earlier this week. We showed you one of the big route masters come past. They're an 87-person capacity bus. Uh, and on average, we were seeing one, maybe two people on those as well. So you can see why they're taking the services out. Um, but of course, it's getting that happy balance. And no one's gone through this stuff since 1940-odd as well. In fact, funnily enough, behind me, you, you can't really see it, but it's the Battle of Britain Memorial. You can just see maybe this dark kind of slate there, the bronze. That's uh, the Battle of Britain Memorial. 80 years ago, above the skies of Britain, they were fighting the Luftwaffe as well. It does feel a bit like the war spirit. I've got to say, by the way, there's a new hashtag out there for people who get out and gather when they shouldn't be. It's hashtag COVIDiots. <laughs> I saw that. I was wondering whether I should be attaching it to some of the tweets. <laughs> Steve, thank you very much. We'll catch up with you a little bit later on. The upcoming Olympic Games in Tokyo may be postponed due to coronavirus. That's according to a member of the International Olympic Committee, Dick Pound, who told USA Today a one-year delay may be likely. Australia and Canada said they would not send athletes to Tokyo if the Games went ahead. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is due to hold a conference call with the head of the IOC later today. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.